0: Hey, I'm Matt Hutchins, and he's
1: Dave Mulvaney, and this is Profitability MD. Dave, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How about you? I am doing great. Episode 156 of Profitability MD. Changing our format, talking about the four pillars of wealth and how you use the four pillars to to build wealth. Use your business to build the wealth using our four pillars. Uh, today, you're going to interview me. Uh, I right? am. Yeah. Gonna put me on the spot. Hey, okay. First, my disclaimer. I gotta say disclaimer. So, so this is not tax advice. This is not investment advice. Consult your professional. And I'll do this at the end. Um, but that's our disclaimer.
0: Yeah. All right. We, you go. You know, <laughs> but we do talk about financial advice. You have to give that disclaimer. So I'm gonna kind of uh, you uh, you you got your MBA at uh, Emory University. Your uh, UGA for your BBA and your Bachelor of Business Administration. Um, from UGA, correct? Yep. Yep. Um, so, and, um, you've, you started out with SunTrust years ago as a portfolio manager. You, I mean, you now have, uh, you, I mean, you've moved in wealth management over the years, but, uh, you're a principal at uh, Mosaic wealth management and you've been doing that since about 2007. So, but in the interim, you've had, an, you've, you've been an investor, um, of course you're you know you've got 10x profit blueprint we have profitability md together um and with again the focus being on um really building wealth using utilizing the four pillars so why don't we start i went through a lot there quickly that's a little bit about some accomplishments what did i miss in the bio what's
1: what no, oh, so so I'll go back. I'll just say that I'm a finance nerd, right? So so I got a finance major at Georgia. That's what we talked about. We got an MBA for Emory, and then we got a chartered financial analyst, CFA. That's what, like, that's like a CPA, but for finance nerds, right? So if I'm a finance nerd, true, true investment guy, I love it. Um, so that's not, um, Basically, that I've been an entrepreneur most of my not, you know, this business I've had for 15 years, but I've done uh, my real estate business. Gosh, maybe that was 20, 20 years. My wife was a, a real estate uh, broker, not just an agent, but a broker as well. Um, so we've had, I guess, four six-figure businesses uh, over the years, so that's Which kind of our
0: stuff. Rich. But I mean, you, know, you, you mentioned you're a finance nerd, but when somebody is looking for somebody to manage their money, um, I want the guy who's a finance nerd. I mean, that's, you yeah, want
1: yeah, yeah. the guy who's yeah. educated at what he's doing, right? Right, right. So you say, so, my, you know, uh, the 80-20 rule, 80% of my income is Mosaic Wealth Management. I'm a registered investment advisor, RIA, fiduciary duty. I do retirement and tax planning for uh, small business owners and dentists and successful individuals, okay? So the key differentiator there is really the tax planning that I'm able to do. Again, because I've been a business owner, I know a lot about taxes and tax planning. Not a CPA. CPA. I have gave you my disclaimer. Go consult your tax professional but it's really retirement planning and tax planning and then investment planning, estate planning, protection planning, all that kind of jazz. But I really do it for small business owners because I am a small business owner. I've done it for myself. Everything I do for my clients, I did myself. Um, And, you know, I kind of knew that I was always going to be an entrepreneur an owner of a business. So how did that was my
0: next question is
1: when did you first know that you were an entrepreneur? That is awesome. So, so I've known that my whole life. So, first of all, I knew I was always going to be an investment guy since I was 13 years old. And number two, I was always going to have my own investment business since I was 13 years old. I thought I was going to be the next George Soros. George Soros is a famous hedge fund manager. Nowadays, people know him as a, a liberal uh, hedge fund manager who funds liberal causes. That's not how he became famous. In 1992, he made, I think it was a billion dollars in 1992 as a hedge fund manager meaning he managed money for people and he broke the British pound. He bet against, the, the, he bet that a British pound would depreciate and he made a billion dollars personally in 1992. I thought I was going to have my own hedge fund and be my own George Soros. I always knew I was going to be my own thing. I went and worked in corporate world. You mentioned uh, uh, Robinson Humphrey, which is a regional brokerage firm, investment banking for the Cox family, Sun Trust. I was learning how to do all this stuff, knowing all along I was going to spin out and do it on my own eventually. But I wanted to get my feet wet, learn the ropes from other areas and other professionals.
0: So you, I mean, you were- I had a the, plan. You, you had yeah. a plan. You were probably reading the Wall Street Journal at a very young age, too.
1: Right? At 13 years, I was trading stocks. 13 years old, I was trading stocks. Now, not very good at it, but I was trading stocks.
0: So what? Uh, what's, you know, I mean, okay, so you've been um, in business um, for a while. What's what's a couple of big wins that you've had in business?
1: Yeah, uh, that's a great point. So um, fortunately I've been, uh, how do I say it? So the first thing I would say was when I go work, when I was working at other institutions, I was trying to learn not just my job, but every other job that I was in contact with. I wanna know what my boss's boss did for a living. I wanted to know, what the other people in the other departments did. Because when I'm when I'm there, I don't just a lot of people are nine to five. They just want to, hey, I got my little blinders on, I'm doing my nine to five. No, you want to know how things work above you, below you, next to you, sideways. Because one, you got to know what motivates other individuals, right? What's their motivation? What are they trying to accomplish? But two, maybe that's a more interesting job. Maybe you want to go pursue marketing and you're a finance guy. You're you're a marketing guy, you want to go pr- pr- pursue whatever investment making i don't know but you got to know what's out there so number one i got to learn everything about everything at every business that i I was at so that's one success criteria is don't just nine to five and do your job do other people's jobs and learn what motivates other people right because that way you know you know what you might want to do your next path again i told you i had a plan my goal was always to have my own business and so in order to do that you kind of have to be a jack of all trades so i was trying to learn everything along the way um, one of my so because of that you know what is it i hate to say the work hard but you work hard and you'd be successful in that kind of jazz but um before i started my own business i worked for another small business owner i went there i was going to buy his business uh that was going to be my way to own my businesses Buy his business didn't work out start my own business but because i worked for him I had to do everything a small business owner did, right? He was already semi-retired, so I had to learn uh, compliance and management and and financial profit and loss and uh, financing and, and everything about how to run the business, not just the investments. I had to learn how to run the business, and I would not have been able to start my business unless I worked for him. Does that make sense? It's like, so like if you're an HVAC contractor and you're working for the HVAC guy, dude, learn how that business runs, right? How do they do payroll? How do they buy their inventory? How do they price, you know, their their bids? How do they price it? Dude, I want to know everything soup to nuts because one day I might want to own my own truck and own my own HVAC. But I can't do that if I'm just the HVAC guy who makes a bid and they just tell me what the bid is and I go install it, right? That was not me. I was not just the installer. I was like, how do we do it all? How do they run? How's my boss running his HVAC? That, that's a great parallel of what I think you should be doing if, if you have the entrepreneurs.
0: So what, um, you know, on that on that subject. So then you went into business and yeah. what was the what what do you think is the toughest thing you've ever faced as a business
1: owner? Yeah, so so. Uh, we've talked about this before off, off camera. You're not talking about, it. so I was very fortunate. I made money from day one when I started my business because I had been planning ahead. And so that was very fortunate. I feel very fortunate. Uh, as my dad would say I did the right things to put myself in, in good position for good things to happen, right? It wasn't just blind luck. I did what I was supposed to do. So good things would happen. The toughest time was definitely, I started my uh, business in 07. Remember eight, nine, and 10 was our, the hundred year flood, the, the biggest recession, so I started my business and immediately uh, lost two of my biggest clients, and the market crashed in, in 08, March of 09. So I lost 50% of my revenue in the first 18 months of, of owning my own business. So definitely by hard, uh, by far the hardest thing I've, I've ever, ever done. But what I say now is, hell, I made the 100-year flood. If I can make it through that, I can make it through anything, right? That was, that was a once-in-a-lifetime type recession right there. So when you were in that, what kept you going? I mean, what,
0: you know, what was it that, because, in the, I mean, there were people in the financial world who committed suicide because they thought right. it was the end of the world and the world would never come back. Of course, we all know right, that. Right. What made you stay in? And 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 because I'm sure I, I I'm sure you were questioning yourself at that time. Is this the right thing? So what made you stay in it?
1: Yeah, and the the great questions, right? So the the idea would be, number one, out of necessity. I was married with two young kids. At that time, the girls were uh, five and seven years old, right? So I'm providing for myself and my wife and and two daughters, right? So there's a desperation. I gotta make this work because I gotta uh, take care of my family. In a good way, I like that kind of pressure. I respond well to pressure. Most people don't know what they're capable of until they're under pressure. Uh, That said, you also tighten your belt, right? Just like, you know, all of us did, you know, we got to tighten up our spending, honey. We got to, we got to only spend on the essentials, right? Um, but then there's this, the third thing would be just the belief that I knew that I, what I was doing was right. I'm, I'm adding value. I'm, I am, you know, we always talk about three ways to earn uh, money, right? It's do something that other people uh, aren't willing to do themselves, add value. Hey, you could do it yourselves, but I, but I can do it better, faster, cheaper, convenient, make it easy for you. So I knew that I was adding value and had a great service or product to offer individuals. So so there's a belief in what I was doing was value added. I'll find people that I can help. I know that I can find people that I can help. There's the other side desperation. I better find people that I can help because I got to take care of my wife and my family. Right. And then the third part of that is truthfully, I knew that I'd gotten kind of lazy. I told you when I walked out the door with my business, I had a business full-fledged running. And I was making more money than I ever made in my life the day I started my business. So I was a little lazy, a little spoiled, right? I didn't I didn't have to do all the stuff we talk about, our, our marketing, right? Who's my target market? What's my uh, million-dollar message? And what's my irresistible offer? I didn't have any of that because I just walked out of the business spoiled, starting my shop. Hey, I'm I'm hot stuff. I got a, a running business, so it made you refocus and say, "Well, you better go back to the fundamentals. Who's your target market? What's your irresistible offer? And 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 what's your million dollar message? How am I different? Why do people work with me? I better figure that out in order to survive." So it came full circle. Without that event, I would not have been as productive, uh, successful going forward. If you didn't have that setback, truthfully.
0: Yeah, and you and I met somewhere around 2015, I think, in a Strategic Coach. It might have been
1: 2014. Uh, Gosh, I was even thinking earlier than that. I thought I'd been in that thing like nine years. It might have been like 11 or 12.
0: Could have been. It could have been. Uh, but so, um, how much do you now? The reason I'm bringing that up is uh, yeah. is you've had a coach. And so, prior to Strategic Coach, did you have other coaches as
1: well? Yeah, exactly. I had. I've always been kind of a self help coach. Uh, coach guy, right? So I was a Tony Robbins guy and I, I owned the Tony Robbins CDs. Uh, you know, I think I might've been 21 or 22 read the Tony Robbins books. When we were in college, uh, the Tony Robbins, whatever, uh, ultimate power, whatever that I had that when I was at the corporations, I always took corporate training programs, whatever they would, they would. So I got my CFA, a chartered financial analyst. Why? Because everybody else was getting it and they were willing to pay for it. So I'll go do that. I don't even know what it was at the time. I know what it is now, right? It's like this whole finance thing, like an MBA for finance. Nerds. Uh, when I was at the bank, the bank had, you know, sales training, management training, uh, relationship management training. I took all that, right? Because again, uh, I think, uh, who says it? A Talent stack, right? Um, my first boss, here's what I'll say. I was a numbers guy. I thought if I'm really smart and I know my numbers, I'm going to be successful. My first job must have been within the first month. He said, it ain't about the numbers. It's about the marketing. And I said, what do you mean? Well, we can find the best stock in the world because the numbers work and it's going to be the best investment ever, the best piece of real estate investment, whatever that is. But unless I can market and convince other people to buy it or invest in it, we're not going to make any money. So he was like, it's all about the marketing. Right. That it's it's not just I thought, oh, I'm a smart guy. I got the numbers. I found the deal. No, no, no. Now you got to market that deal, raise the capital, raise the money. So that's what you learned was like, nobody ever told me that. It's all about the marketing, right? That that's why we talk about who's your target market, what's the million dollar message or irresistible offer? Because you can have the best thing in the world, but unless you can explain it or differentiate it or, or show people why they might need it or how it adds value to their life, then they're not gonna buy from you, right? I came out of college thinking I just had to know the numbers. You don't just know the numbers is great and it's awesome, but you got to be able to market and talk the talk and speak, speak and solve the problem that they're looking for, right? They're not looking for a numbers problem.
0: I was thinking about that, that speech not the speech, but the phone call in the beginning of Wolf of wall street, when he's on the phone and he's convincing the guy to buy this 10, this 10 cent stock, it could go to, you know, sixty. You know, sixty cents or or even six dollars, and he's he's. But it's the marketing and approach. Now you, of
1: course, sell legitimate. Right, right, right. But that's the point. He had sales training. I went to sales training. I forget McCallen or something like that was the name of the company the bank used. It was awesome. So yeah, I I've been doing this. Well, I've had other coaches that I've hired personally. Uh, When you and I met with Strategic Coach, and that's what got me into there. Uh, But before that, I had some other uh, coaches along the way. And, and for me, I've always used coaching as a way to, uh, I'm a you, you and I are big sports buffs, right? There, there's no professional athlete that doesn't have a coach, right? So so why wouldn't I have a coach for business, right? And I seeked out mentors as a kid. My first job was at Robinson Humphrey and I made friends with the department heads because I went to school with their kids or whatever. So I would go to lunch with the guy, uh, uh, Bill, who ran the, the retail brokerage office because I went to high school with his daughters, but I wanted him to teach me about the retail side of Robinson Humphrey, right? So I was looking for mentors uh, uh, and coaches my whole life because I'm lazy. Tell me somebody who's already done it. Tell me the easiest way to do it. Tell me the mistakes to avoid. Give me the easy path. If you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. I don't wanna be wandering in the woods aimlessly. Give me the, the yellow brick road and I'll follow it, right? give me the yellow brick road and I'll do it. Now, I'm not saying the yellow brick road is easy. There's some hard work you have to do in the yellow brick road, but there's somebody out there who's already figured this stuff out. Let's you know, just model it's that. It's
0: funny you say that because um, the people who don't have a coach, to me, it, it, I always wonder, I'm like, how do you think you're going to get there? I mean, you're going to figure this all, out on all by yourself. I mean, that's why there's so many books written. People are like, Anyway, I, I mean, I, I oh, I love it.
1: Well, I go back. How'd you learn to swim? My mom just didn't throw me in the pool. I had a swim coach. How'd I learn to play tennis? I had, a, I had a tennis coach. How'd I learn to play soccer? I had a soccer. How'd I learn to play golf? I had a golf coach. I had a coach on every single sport that I've ever done. And in academics, if you need a tutor, you can get a math tutor, an English tutor, a literature tutor. A la, la, la 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 la. Right. Nowadays, they have. Uh, anyway, we've all done it along the way. And I don't know where we get to this world in professionalism. And especially in business, there's so many aspects of business. Taxes are so freaking complicated. I need help, or or most people need help. Now I know a lot. How do I minimize my taxes? How do I grow my business? How do I provide better service to my existing clients? How do I get more clients and grow my business, right? People have figured this stuff out, and we can copy them, modify, model them, learn from them. Uh, So I've always seeked out mentors and coaches because I'm looking for somebody who's done that. I'm lazy. It's the easy path.
0: Well, you know, Matt, <laughs> it's um, it's funny. I think there's a there's some people who would, when they were younger, they'd like to go to the tutor. Um, other people it made them feel dumb if they had to go to a tutor. And so maybe there's a segment of the population that has a stigma about getting help. I got to yeah. do this on my own so I could claim to be self-made. Look, you can you can have somebody guide you. Um, you know. Look in the military, you you won't become a general unless you work your way up following the path of others. Great point. Right. It's the, it's the same thing in business. You have to follow the path of others. So what, what would you, what would you say it's, and I know your business in that it's very self-sustaining, but what would you say was probably the thing or the, like the key triggers that that put you over the edge to make your business a self-sustaining business.
1: Right, and that, and that's great. So I would say that, so first of all, so, so the main two businesses right now are the investment advisory business uh, and then the, the coaching business, right? And so the investment advisory business, 80% of my revenue, um, like we talked about. And so I will give full credit to Dan Sullivan, strategic coach and right, learning and understanding the, 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 the concept of unique ability or A plus activity. Uh, again, this goes back to we're only good at two or three things, right? That's all we're good at. And everything else we should delegate, right? And everything else we should we should uh, uh, get people to help us with. And you go back to school. Some people are math people and not good at English, right? Some people are good at English. People and not good at math, right? Well, school isn't set up that way. but But when I was in first grade, I had a group of girls doing my English homework and a group of girls doing my math homework. Right, So I was delegating back when I was six years old. That's one of my famous funny stories is that I knew how to delegate when I was six years old. I had a team to help me with my English and a team to help me with my math. Right, But that's how you become successful is we don't have to be good at everything. Right, Most of my uh, friends and successful people that I know are really good at two or three things. They're a really good salesperson. They're really good at meeting with clients. They're really good at seeing the big picture. Uh, they're really good, or a really good technician. He's a really good dentist, right? Uh, you just have to be good at at one, two, three things, right? So, so in our investment advisory business, meeting with clients, you got to be really good at meeting with clients. You got to be good at meeting with prospects, and right, carrying on those conversations. And then you got to be good in my business, uh, reading, meeting with centers of influence, right? Uh, the clients are the ones that pay me, they, but they can send me prospects. Prospects is how I get a new client, turn them into a client, right? And the centers of influence are people who send me prospects who turn into clients, right? Those are the three things that I'm really good at. And those are the three things that I like and enjoy. And and that's what makes me money. That's my A plus activity, my unique ability. Inside of there is my CFA and my MBA. And I got to manage the money and do the tax planning and funding. That's part of me servicing the clients and getting paid, right? That's already included in there. But the three things that, that I do. Meet with clients, meet with centers of influence, and, and meet with prospects. Those are the, the key drivers in my world. Everything else I need to delegate. I don't get paid to set in appointments. I don't get paid to answer the phone. I don't get paid to answer email, right? Those are the things that you start to delegate out. And so I attribute that completely to strategic coach and realizing that you don't have to do everything yourself. You don't have to be the jack of trade, all trades you're actually supposed to delegate. That's number one. You're supposed to delegate to be successful. Dang it, if you don't know that, most people don't. Most are the jack of all trades. Number two would be time management, right? So you and I talk about how we all have the same 24 hours in the day. How do you make the most of it? And so the time management I learned, I was pretty good at it, but, but Dan Sullivan had a great twist on it that talks about three types of days or activities. There's your focus days, your buffer days, and your free days. Free days are... You take a vacation, you take it off. In in, in our world, that's not a reward. My dad said you worked hard and then you could take a vacation. No, no, no. We flipped that on its side. I take a vacation so then when I get back to work, my batteries are recharged. I need a vacation to charge my batteries so when I'm with my clients or prospects, I'm firing on all cylinders and I can give them my best. I don't want to be burned out when I'm meeting with clients and prospects and centers of influence. I want them to see me at my best. To do that, I need free days, uh, uh, rest days to recharge my battery. So when I hit those focus days, the focus days are your money-making days. You want to be fully charged and you go 100%. It's like the day before vacation, man. You're busting it, right? And then there's this thing in between that, that he calls buffer days, which are kind of the homework and prep work and follow-up, right? So if I had a today, I had two client meetings and a prospect meeting. Man, it was a focus day. Now I'm talking with you. Boom, boom, boom. You know what tomorrow is? Tomorrow is the follow-up from those three, four meetings, right? I got I got homework from each of those client meetings and homework for that prospect. So I'm going to do all that tomorrow, right? And that's sending up the follow-up emails and, and doing what I'm supposed to do and requesting more information for them. That's tomorrow. Today was meeting day and I'm just bang, 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 firing it out. Tomorrow is the follow-up day. And then Uh, let's say the next day might be another set of meetings, or it might be a free day, depends on on where we are. So my two things, I I love Dan Sullivan's strategic coach, time management, organize your life. And and, and then it's okay when you're doing that, right? So it's okay, if today's a focus day, it's okay that I'm not doing homework or prep work, or follow up work, because I'm not supposed to do that today. It's a focus day today, right? right? And then tomorrow, when it's Instead of feeling guilty that I'm not me seeing with clients, that's okay. I'm not supposed to meet any clients tomorrow. I'm supposed to be doing follow-up from those previous meetings or prepping for my next meeting. It's okay not to be meeting. Because everybody, we have this little voice in our head, the voice on our shoulder, telling us you should be doing something else. This helps silence those voices, right? Is There's a day and a time for everything, right? If you want uh, a day and a time. And when I'm doing the buffer activity, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm not supposed to be doing focus activities, right? And then you go back to, what am I really good at? Realizing that I don't have to be good at everything. Realizing it's okay not to be good at everything. I had this conversation with one of my clients earlier today, a tremendous salesperson, but he does not need to be the accountant. He does not need to be the bookkeeper. He does not need to be the controller of his company, right? He needs to control the money, right? I want him to write the checks and sign all the checks, need a bookkeeper to balance the books we need a cpa to do all the tax taxes uh that's not his he is a great tremendous salesperson and then he just needs to be the ceo and and know and understand the numbers and control the checkbook so nobody's not that's yeah. your money
0: it's it's funny so you um you you said that strategic coach um allowed you to be really good at delegation but yet I, I'm wondering because I'm I'm really focusing on the coaching aspect of your life. Right. You said you were already delegating in as a young kid in, in yes. so do you think that your coach, uh, Dan Sullivan in this case, or or the, the strategic coach as a program, do you think that they brought something out that you already had? Or or do you think that as a coach, in other words, did they make you make a delegation because you already had it within you?
1: And that's what I think. So so it turns out I was already delegating in first group, right? Turns out I was already delegated in MBA school, right? So I would be the one to put together our teams and tackle the projects, and the guy that presented our our projects, right? Because a lot of team stuff you do in MBA school. Uh, That's what I was doing. Was delegating, putting those teams together. Uh, So yes, I think I already had it. I was already good at delegating. Or realize there was, I'm lazy. Realizing there's an easier way. There's a better way to do it. I think it's almost like they gave me permission. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to call it. I might've felt a little guilty for it, right? Now I don't feel guilty. I don't need to be the bookkeeper. I have no guilt about that. I hire a bookkeeper, yeah. right? I think I'm, previously I might've felt guilty about hiring a bookkeeper or reluctant to hire a bookkeeper because I thought that I should be doing it myself. It's like they gave me permission or put words to my feelings I already had. But you're exactly, I was already delegating. You just made it easier for me to do it. So right? that,
0: I think that's an important point in that like people uh, think that a coach is gonna make them do all these things that they don't know how to do. or so. I think you've just explained that you can have a coach and what the coach's job is to make you better at what you're really good at. Yes, instead, of, yes. instead of making you something you're not. So um, what, you know, what, uh, you know, we're coming up on the, on the end here, we've got a couple minutes left. What do you think um, is probably, you know, we, we talked about the four pillars um, being, you know, the, the, the way to, a safe way to build wealth. It's not the only way, uh, but it's, a it's, what do you think is, is the thing, you know, we talk about exit strategy, but what do you think is the thing that can keep a person in a business? instead of an exit strategy? What what do you what do you think that is, really?
1: You mean like a self-sustaining business, building a self-managing business? Is that what, kind of what you mean?
0: Yeah, um, I mean, uh, oh, oh, or owning a business worth owning. What yeah, makes a business worth owning? Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah,
1: you want a business that, that, that does everything that we talked about. I, I don't want a business that provides a job or an income, right? You can go whatever the numbers. You can go make $100,000 in the bank, or I could have a business that makes $100,000. It's kind of the same thing. But if I have more freedom in my own business, it's worth more to me. I can actually make less money as a business owner than I can as an employee because of the tax benefits, but also because I want the, the freedom benefits, right? The freedom of time and, the, you know, I go coach your girls soccer, you know, go take the time off with your family and that type of stuff. So so I think the the, the, the advantage of the business is you can create a job and a lifestyle and a whole empire if you want. It's limitless, right? But you got to start something. The first thing you got to do is get up income where you're, 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 you're maintaining your lifestyle. Then what you and I talk about is, uh, I'll just use my example. So my four pillars, right? So so I have my investment advisory business and my coaching business. It's more than I spend. It provides my lifestyle, but there's excess money. What do I do with that? I actually started a retirement plan or, or right when I started the business, so whatever. Again, consult your advisor or whatever. 401k plan, right? Profit sharing. I did that for myself. Now I've got this fancy thing called a cash balance defined benefit plan. So I use my business, my lifestyle, extra cash. I started funding um, retirement plans. At the same time I was doing real estate. I've been doing real estate all along. I told you my wife was a, a, an agent, but actually she was a broker. And so we've done real estate all along as, as that pillar of, of building the wealth. Um, and then the wealth accumulation is the money that's left over. I need I need the wealth, which you know I have my uh, uh, investment account and in where I put all my excess cash. So it's earning money for me. But if I ever need it, I have, have easy access to it. So I kind of learned or discovered the four pillars as a combination of on my own, but also from my other successful clients, my other successful friends, right? That, that you and I both know really successful people and They weren't the guys that had the business that paid them the job kind of income. All the successful people that that I know that you know had a business that created excess cash flow in excess of their lifestyle. And they use that money to buy a piece of real estate. That's great, one of my great friends. Anyway, insurance guy, right? So he sells insurance. More money, he bought the strip center where his office was located, right? Made money, excess cash, buys the strip center. Okay, great. And he's also got a retirement plan inside the insurance. Oh, great. And there's still money left over. So he's got an investment account, uh, the wealth accumulation account. Just a simple insurance agent. You know, gosh, I could just be an insurance agent, make enough money to pay for me and my family. No, no, no. I want it to be a really good. So now I can have excess money to do my retirement, to buy the strip center that I'm located now he's talking about buying a second trip, strip center where another friend of his is, hey, I'll buy that strip center. and You can rent for me. Right. So he's talking about building his real estate empire, but, but using the money from the, in the main business to fund that real estate empire. Right. So I just learned by seeing, learned by doing myself. This is what I do for myself. This is what I've seen success from other clients is building these four pillars. Uh, My weakest pillar, which we talked about last week uh, for for you, mine is uh, uh, real estate, right? I don't have enough real estate, right? There are tax benefits of depreciation. There are tax benefits of leverage, right? You get to borrow money. Banks will loan you money to buy real estate. You put a smaller money down and you put 20 to 25% down and they loan you the rest. You can't buy a stock where I only put 25% down and I borrow the rest, you can do the opposite. I can put down, you know, ninety percent, and they let me borrow a little more, right? So, 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 real estate has leverage. I can put twenty to twenty-five percent down and borrow money. They'll, they'll let me borrow money to buy real estate. There's depreciation, tax benefits. This is just your tax benefits that will help reduce how much taxes I pay, right? Both on the real estate and on the money I make over at Mosaic and my coaching, list, right? So, so that's my weakest link. Is the is the real estate portion of my my four pillars, Um, but the the idea all along has been, nobody's gonna walk along and offer me a bunch of money for my investment business, right? Or my coaching business, right? But I can create my wealth, my own little empire along the way by creating it where it runs so well and so self-sufficient and so excess cash flow that now I can buy real estate, that I can do my retirement plan, that I can do my wealth accumulation plan. So that over a 10 year plan, a 20 year plan, I'm, a, I'm building wealth, using my business to build wealth, not overnight. This is a 10 year, 20 year plan, right? It's not overnight, um, but it's a plan and the plan is a good plan and I don't have to take huge amounts of risk for it to work, right?
0: You no, know, It's funny, that's, yeah, um, you've, said, you've had a ton of great nuggets here and um, I'm gonna, we're going to call this episode Wealth, Building Starts with a Plan. Uh, because you started out talking about planning. You've been planning this your whole life. And, and it's what, what's great is here you are, you're in your 50s, and you realize that, hey, I'm weak on this one pillar. But so you've got more than enough time to build that pillar. And, and I think that's, that's the thing that people get hung up. That's the other thing I learned from uh, strategic coaches, that um, if, if you think you're going to live to be 100, it changes your time frame on how soon I got to get something done. This is a good time to build the real estate pillar. You've got your business; it's solid. You've got your uh, your investments; they're solid. Now you can focus on this pillar and build that pillar. And then once you've got those three pillars built, the fourth pillar is already built all by itself, which is uh, cash flow and uh, you know wealth management, really, in which you you already all have that in place. So we we have come up to the end. So um, I think that the reality is, Matt, you have in your lifetime, you've done like a, a ton of uh, m- more so that, you know, when you look at it from the outside, I know you don't feel like it, you're a humble guy, but for, you know, to others who look at you go, man, I'd love to build a business like that. And this is why you and I are together that, that you know, we have a mastermind that so that people can come in and, and learn and and be like-minded individuals, meaning we learn from others as well. That we're constantly learning. So, um, the, you know, our our, you know, we we try to help you find money in your business yep. so that you can build the four pillars. And yep. uh, so, you know, in a nutshell, um, the the thing we do best is we find places in your business where you're where you could be making more money. A few small tweaks, and you can literally increase your your pocket money by fifty or hundred thousand dollars and all you got to do is reach out to us Matt at ProfitabilityMD.com, Dave at profitabilitymd.com. Um, you can find us anywhere um, uh, you know just search for profitability MD uh, on any place you listen to your podcast or on there uh, youtube profitability MD and uh, Matt I think it's a great interview today I, I, I was excited to learn this much about you so that's yeah, fun. It makes
1: me nervous, but uh, but I enjoyed it. It was good. You you're a great host. Good job.
0: Well, thank you. And uh, uh, one last thing, what's the what's the best book you've read before we go?
1: Uh, that 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 is actually a great question. And and right now I was just reading over the holidays, um, essentialism. So I'm in mean, right now. It's essentialism. There, there are other great books, but right now it's kind of minimize, get rid of excess. You know, again. Goes back to my theme. There's only two or three things I'm really good at. Why am I doing other things? But then there's also the the minimalist of which I'm not, but I'm trying to get. You know, you got stuff in your garage in your basement. If I, if I hadn't touched it in two or three years, I should probably get rid of it. So I'm reading that right now. We love our uh, our Chet Holmes. Um, gosh, I can't even think of the name of the book. I probably got, got it right uh, there. My uh, ultimate marketing machine or something like that. Yeah, Holmes. Yeah, I can't think of it either right now. But um... those are my books. I read that every year, and. Uh, any kind of uh, 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 self-help kind of business growth type stuff. All awesome. right, man, this is good stuff.
0: All right, Matt, we'll talk soon.
1: See ya.